we were doing wholesale USB flash drives. And so in 2008, 2009, um, I had set that business up to run totally remote. I was traveling three or four months of the year, managed it all from my laptop and a phone. And, and a lot of people were asking like, what is your whole approach to business that lets you travel the world and also run a company? And that was what became the catalyst for deciding to write what became Lifestyle Entrepreneur. So here's the big question. Have you ever been so financially frustrated from years of poor financial decisions only to wonder, why didn't they teach me in school anything about how to manage money? I've spent the last 20 years learning the secrets to how money really works and how to use it to get financially free on a goal to retire early. I've realized how much of an impact we could have on the world by teaching financial literacy, entrepreneurship, and a successful mindset. Join me as I interview some of the world's most successful business owners, coaches, and parents to get them to share their secrets on how you can not only learn, but teach these lessons to your kids to become financially free and impact your children's financial trajectory so they can avoid the frustration and go on to do great things. I'm Cody Laughlin, and this is the Money Talkers Podcast. Welcome back to Money Talkers with your host, Cody Laughlin. I have Jesse Krieger here today, and I'm super excited to talk to him because he has a very unique business model of something that he does, and he deals with entrepreneurs with the Lifestyle Entrepreneur Press, uh, which is a publisher for the passionate. Uh, he sits squarely at the intersection of publishing and promotion, having signed two publishing deals on two different continents, navigated the world of becoming a best-selling author twice. It has been his honor to publish over 100 books during his six-year tenure as founder and publisher of Lifestyle Entrepreneur Press. Uh, in addition to being featured on over 50 media outlets for his best-selling book, Lifestyle Entrepreneur, Jesse has been an entrepreneur his entire life and holds degrees from the University of California, Berkeley as well as the National Taiwan University and Beijing Normal University. So you like to go to school in a lot of different continents. <laughs> yeah, that was, uh, those two Chinese uh, degrees were part of what I wrote about in Lifestyle Entrepreneur and just combining like traveling, living in other places, following things they're interested in and having a business model to support it. So, all right. So walk me through this. Like you, so you, you were, you went to university of California, Berkeley, and then somehow ended up in China getting degrees. Like, how did you get there? Yeah. Well, it should be said, I didn't go to Berkeley until I was 27. Oh, really? And okay. At age 19, I was living in Europe in Vienna, Austria. I was a street musician, performed in bars and clubs, moved to Nashville ultimately had my first business was a record label for my rock band. And so went through that whole experience and started or co-founded two other businesses and then transferred into Berkeley, which is what sent me to China and Asia and opened up a, a different ch a chapter in my life that led right into writing a book and ultimately getting into publishing. That is why. So, what did you go? How, how did you go from? I don't. How did you go from California to to China though? Like, how did what 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 drove you to go yeah, out? So I that? was, that's a big that's a big jump. I was in London. I was in Europe for the summer in two thousand eight, 
and connected with somebody who had just sold their business for a, a large amount, multi eight figures. And we had connected at this time where it's like, he just wound out of the business, did all of this stuff, and now he was actually free. And he invited my friend and I to go to China. He's like, let me just take you there, kind of all expenses paid thing. Let me show you the ropes. Because I really had no idea what was going on in that part of the world in 2008. And, and it opened my eyes. The, the Olympics were going on. There was people everywhere, stuff going on everywhere. It just kind of blew my mind. And that catalyzed starting to study Chinese. I had a business that did USB flash drives and promotional products manufactured in South China. And so really started to spend more time in that part of the world for personal interest and language and business. Um, and, and there was that that kind of led into studying and ultimately getting, you know, degrees. That was kind of a fun accomplishment. It was the eight week language program, but they give you a diploma. So it's in the bio. <laughs> That's it. That's pretty cool. No, it's uh, my daughter and I, I laugh because like we, um, we downloaded, she's nine, but I think it was when she was seven or eight, we downloaded like one of the Babel language apps or something. And we were trying Chinese because you have to like say it and it like validates whether you said it or not. It was a it, it was a it was a comical attempt from both of us trying to even just get through the alphabet. <laughs> yeah, I I looked at it as a, a fun challenge, but for sure it's like so beyond other languages in terms of difficulty. It's kind of the uh, the attraction and the the challenge within it. So how did you go from that to being a best-selling author? Like what was well, the it was, transition? It was around writing? this time when I was like, I had my, I had a business called USB Superstore. We were doing wholesale USB flash drives. And so in 2008, 2009, um, I had set that business up to run totally remote. I was mm -hmm. traveling three or four months of the year, managed it all from my laptop and a phone. And, and a lot of people were asking, like, what is your whole approach to business that lets you travel the world and also run a company? And that was what became the catalyst for deciding to write what became Lifestyle Entrepreneur. But it was after selling that business and there was a whole story involved in that. But I was like, I know so clearly right now going from idea through to an operating business, even one that can be sold. And I just felt compelled to like document that. So that was the seed of the idea it was like, the, I've, I've done this process a few times and it's worked. People are intrigued. Why don't I actually hack what it is that I've done and explain it? Uh, and that, that led me into the author process. I think it's amazing because it's taken me a lot of stabs at it, but I am, I am running a lifestyle entrepreneur business now. Um, and people are literally, I don't, I don't talk about it very much because, you know, in my circles, cause they're like, how many hours a week do you work? And I'm like about 10, <laughs> you know, and they're That's like, awesome. you know, and it's a seven figure business. I've got one and a half employees and it's just goes and, you know, it's got ups and downs. It's got, you know, but I, I think that, um, it's it, but it's say I used to work 70 hours a week for eight hour eight eight you yeah know. I was gonna say it's probably not your first business if you've no. got it set up like that no 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 <laughs> it was it was and it was by demand that like every time we wanted to add people or wanted to add things to it I was so anti that because I used to have 110 employees and it was oh, so yeah. stressful 
and uh it was 70 hours a week and i was like so anti i was like we're not adding another person like i don't care if we're busting it seems like we're gonna need to get more efficient we need to figure out a better way to do it we need to start back at the original part of the processes and so um walk me through how you approach it uh from the book and how you approach it like you said you you mentioned something which i think is extremely important which is that you have a framework uh to to be able to build a lifestyle business and if you wouldn't mind kind of explain what a lifestyle business is and then if you would uh you know uh hop into some of the framework that you use to to do that because i think it's yeah sure that's well here's a little trip down memory lane right <laughs> i used to do interviews and really get into like how to build an online business and and do it virtually and it's interesting i'll say i'll, I'll circle back here but it's interesting how that's become more mainstream in the eight, nine, 10 years since, since I first started writing that book. I would say that the approach is basically. Can I ask you something where they're quick real just before yeah. you hop on that? But I, do you think that that approach has happened more? Or do you think there's more independent contractors doing that? Right. Cause I still think, I don't think a lot of people have a business figured out as yeah, much I think as there's a, I think there's more interest in the business side, yeah. um, which can start from like an influencer or having an audience before you have an offer yeah. or it can be, I don't technically think of like an independent contractor that's doing contract work. Yeah. I, I would put that in a different category than being the business owner that's contracting with those people. And that, yes. that becomes part of, I guess, my, my approach or what I did. So it's a combination of like looking at the interests and passions and thinking, what do I want to be doing day to day, week by week for the next one to two years and getting pretty specific. So one of my answers was uh, going on bike rides around Taiwan while studying Chinese four hours a day and working on my business. And so from that, like inquiry is then where's the business model that is compatible and that fits the criteria of you can run it online, customers, doesn't matter where they are, it's geographically independent. And, uh, and so then from there into the business side is really looking at like, what's the source of traffic? What's the offer? And then how is it fulfilled? And then how do we satisfy repeat business or, or increase the value of that customer? And just take through a process and peel back some layers that like in USB Superstore, which I use as an example, we started with some paid ads and we did some SEO, but I show over time, there's graph inverts where more of our leads and then all of our leads were coming from SEO and we stopped spending on ads. So I give a pathway to like, not just come up with the idea, but get it out of the gate and take it through the first few months of scale so that it's got, you know, some legs and then you can decide how much you want to invest in it or how much time you want to spend or keep it operating at a level where I know I've got to close this many deals to keep my lifestyle operating the way it is. And yeah. that that's going to require this much time and energy with some variance, but that's a high level approach. And then I go into a lot more detail, of course, in the book. Well, you know, it's, that's kind of one of the things, you know, that I, I have, you know, given advice on when I've been asked is that uh, usually I ask entrepreneurs, where, where do you want to, where do you want to go? <laughs> you know, and they're like, when they ask me how to do something, I'm like, but where do you want to go? Like, does this serve what you want to get to? Where do you want to be in a year, five years, two years? Like, what's your goal? Because if you don't have a goal, you can't back into how to get there. 
right? That's right. I love that you started with that. Like, what do you want your lifestyle to look like? Okay, what affords you to get there? (laughs) And then we come back to it. No, man, we, we see it the same way. It's like, if you ask someone who's building a bigger business, if you follow that line of inquiry, okay, you're going to raise more money and hire more people and expand your market. At a certain point, you'll arrive at, okay, and then I made a ton of money. Okay, and then what? And if that reveals, well, actually, I'd like to be sailing through the Bahamas and like uh, working uh, at a dive shop. That's my dream. Then do you need to raise money, scale, move to an international customer model and all these things? Or can you find a model that lets you live comfortably and do that um, while either running a business or as a result of a shorter, shorter little hustle period to build something, right? Well, that's what, and that's I, mean, what I encourage is getting to that. What does that lifestyle look like day to day where you're going to enjoy it and then find where to fit in productivity within that? Well, you know, that's one of the things I hear people talk about scaling all the time. And it's, uh, you know, it's it's the flash. It's the headline. It's the Instagram, you know, deal. It's like what people buy a lot of. But to be honest with you, if if you're building a company and uh and it's one of the reasons I want to bring it up because I want to talk to you about the book I want to write, but <laughs> um, as we go into that. So, uh, but as you're building a company, like you may not want that scale. You know, I, I think people hear that a lot and they just assume that should be the goal of a business. And it's not really where, if you really like sit down and say, okay, well, I'm going to have 20 people working for me. Like you've, you, you're about to change your your lifestyle. And just because you make X, Y, Z amount of money with five people working for you, just because you have 20 doesn't mean you get to keep all the stuff that goes in the, it doesn't work that way. You get more and more problems, more and more expenses, more and more challenges, more and more time usually, you know? And it's, uh, I, I, and I, I commend you for the way that you're, you're explaining that about, listen, you know, you've got to get to what you want. And then, then this is how you're going to get there. Cause I don't think we spend a lot of time doing that. Yeah, well, the other thing that occurs to me is like, I've, I have been an entrepreneur or business owner in some shape or form my whole life. And I used to wear that as a badge of honor, but now it means I don't really know the orientation of working nine to five. (laughs) And the orientation I have is around results, efficiency, and, and ease and enjoyment. So it's like, instead of, okay, I need to put in this time and hustle this hard. I'm like, outcome, let's say I want a book published, we're going to need a good editor, designer, marketing strategy, and a few other pieces. How can I assemble that to create a good experience that gets to that outcome, and then be able to scale the outcome, instead of bloat the process, so to speak? Yeah, my my two biggest things when I talk to my kids, and my kids are seven and nine, and we talk about entrepreneurship quite a bit in my household. Um, it's one of my one of our favorite subjects, but you know, I, I tell them, I said, it's the result that matters and your time doesn't matter to the result, right? Where like, you know, if you were writing that, we just use, we'll use a book for an example, you know, if it takes you seven years to write a book and I wrote the same book in four hours, like they're not going to pay you, you know, 6,000 times more money because your book took seven years and mine only took four hours. First of all, no one knows. Second of all, no one cares because it's the result of the book that they want. And what does the book do for them? Does it provide value? And so when I talked to my kids about being entrepreneurs, I said, you know, you've got to look for problems and then find a way to either do it faster for somebody 
or less expensive than they would be able to opportunity cost for them to do it. You know, I love that. And well, it makes me think of uh, Cody. When I was a kid, my dad is a, a accountant, runs a CPA firm. So I was always exposed to business as like a concept, even if I wasn't really interested in it then. But we'd go to a restaurant and we'd play a game of being like, look, how many tables are there here? Okay, let's say our bill is going to be about $45 for you, me, and your sister. So how many people do you think they serve when they're open, their hours are on the door? And basically, we build a P&L while we're eating a meal. Okay, <laughs> so that. if they're doing, you yeah. know, 10 tables twice a day, $50 a table, then you say, okay, they're making a couple thousand dollars a day. How much are they paying? What is that? And literally, I, it was a great exercise. And it's something that I do regularly is think of what's the, the financial model or what are the numbers. And, and if you can do that on a unit basis, meaning yeah. like, what's my cost to produce one book? Um, and then is that change if I produce a thousand or what's for any product or service? getting an idea around the cost to deliver it as a unit um, is also helpful to, to just totally independent of a nine to five or an hourly contribution mindset is the unit economics. And then how can you scale? We were just doing this last week when we were talking about the lemonade stand <laughs> and I was talking to my kids and I said, my daughter, I said, I said, what do you, she said I'm going to charge $2 a cup. I'm like, well, will people pay $2 a cup? And she was like, all right, I'll charge a dollar. I go, well, how much does a cup cost you? She's like, I don't know. And I'm like, let's go. We did the math. We got the mix. We got the cups. We got the whole thing. We like cost out, you know, brought it out. And she was like, all right, I'm gonna charge a dollar 50. And then I'm going to sell, I got something over here. It costs 10 cents and I'm going to upcharge them to $2 because nobody's going to want to carry quarters. And I'm like, yeah, come here. A big <laughs> hug. You know, like, <laughs> yeah, you know, it's awesome. so cool that you guys did that because I, I, I imagine uh, with as, as being an entrepreneur as long as you have, it's hard to turn off, right? When you sit, when you walk into a business or a restaurant or something, and you're just you're looking around oh, yeah. at efficiencies and stuff, and it's like, you know, you well, got. I, I used to be the the worst customer because I'd just be sitting there like staring at the person and thinking you're inefficient with how you're like pressing the keys. <laughs> now I've, I've calmed down a little bit. Oh yeah, I think it's the same thing. I, I still see it, I just don't say anything. <laughs> exactly, but I apply that same, it's that same mindset unleashed on my business ideas that is behind some of the results we get. So yeah, I think it's important since we're talking about children and so forth to encourage that instead of be like, you know, don't make them uncomfortable or don't ask that question. Cause we, we have those questions. We want to know how does it work? What does yeah. it cost? And to just normalize that, I think is an important piece of empowering people in entrepreneurship. Well, that's really one of the reasons I, I called it money talkers was because I heard that one of the most important identifying pieces you can have is identifying yourself with an identity to something. So if I am a money talker, then I'm okay to talk about money and entrepreneurship and mindsets with my kids and my kids are money talkers, so they can do it too. It kind of takes away the, I don't know, the taboo, the tension, the whatever you want to call it, you know, to where yeah. if, you, if you identify as somebody who's okay with talking about money, then you're okay with talking about business and money and things. And it's not, we should be talking about these things. They're very important in our lives, you know? Well, I can tell you that, um, and maybe you, you've had the same experience, but knowing and getting to know some successful people financially, that's part and parcel of success is easy, 
even casual conversations about surprisingly large numbers and figures. And, and that's because it's not, we're not, we're not commingling our identity and emotions with the money and the transaction size. It would be like a chef who wasn't willing to talk about cooking. Or, or ingredients or yeah, or, yeah. or nothing, just one, you know, totally uncomfortable talking about anything to do with the kitchen, right? Only, only the finished meal. And did you like it? <laughs> and even then it's like, uh, don't ask me about that unless I know. Yeah. You. Only the finished meal. And that's it. <laughs> <laughs> right. And so, um, well, so at, at now what you're doing, um, walk me through what you guys do with Lifestyle Entrepreneur Press and, uh, and how you're helping so many people write so many books and impactful books. Yeah, sure. Um, so we, I, I built the company based on my experiences as an author who worked with two different publishers, uh, as you mentioned, on two different continents. And through that experience, I saw with that entrepreneur's hat on, man, would I run this business different if I was running it? <laughs> and I decided in this case to really uh, invest into seeing a, a way to do book publishing that is building the author's business and their brand, what they're known for, what they're invited on podcasts to speak about in the process of creating a great book that delivers a transformative effect. So that was, that was the essence of it, right? You, a book that builds your business. When, with my book, Lifestyle Entrepreneur, I had a $300 audio program, a $500 weekend online training, and then ultimately people could hire me for $10,000. And for three months, I'd help them launch their business on like a weekly call. And so by looking at those stack of different offers, what I've gotten really good at over the years is helping envision how that book becomes a business development tool for the next one to two years, as well as a main talking point, what you're known for. And, and that process is what we've built systems around and support, but keeping it creative, meaning each book is its own creative undertaking. It's not going onto a conveyor belt we're nurturing and and drawing out what it is to make each book and that whole presentation of it great and that's what we do it takes six to nine months once there's a manuscript in place through publication and in terms of the writing it could be three to six months i think is a good target but some people have been sitting on a book for years or decades and some are just fast starters and can carve out time in a in a month or so to knock out it, knock it out. But we just tune into where they're at and then merge our efforts through the whole process with them. And so the process is about a year then if a uh, ballparkish. I'd say, yeah, if you just say front to back, like 12 months, the book may come out before 12 months, but there'll be something going on for that whole cycle, like writing, planning, pre-launch, building web assets, design, positioning different offers, rolling them out, getting test clients, rolling them out on a bigger scale. All of those things will unfold over like a year and the book helps drive it. Like it's like the, uh, it's the vehicle to do all of these other activities. It opens the door, right? That's the, yeah, at the, the end of the day, it, it is a door opener. Um, yeah. It's one of the great things with a book you know, and, and you've probably interviewed numerous authors, like, you know what you're getting to a degree if you can say, oh, 
this person wrote a book on building online businesses that let you travel the world. That's different than like, okay, well, who is this potential guest? And let's find out what they're up to in the world. And with a book, you're really presenting how you want to be discovered and seen and viewed. We hit, uh, we hit nine categories. Number one bestseller in Amazon last year with a collaboration book. <laughs> and so, you know, I've got the, I've got the ribbon, but you know, and, it, and, it, and it's, it's cool, but it was, uh, it was, you know, it was a collaboration book that we went out and did that. And so now they can't ever take it away from me, but um, you know, it, it was, it was, it was fun to do. Um, you know, I, I think that there's just a lot of tools out there for people that to be able to put together a book better than they ever have in history. Right. Yeah. But well, my, my question, I think doing a, a, an individually authored book is yeah. the evolution of participating in something like that. With yep. the individual or co-authored book, then you get the individual name recognition around the topic. Yeah, we uh, had the audience, right? So that's what we were leveraging everybody's audiences. Um, and that that and, that could be a smart move. Yeah, I, I would say it, it was fun. It was a fun experience, um, you know. But I I don't think that's nearly as uh, I don't think it's nearly as as uh, tied in maybe or like I had the buy-in. Like I wasn't like thumping my book around like, Hey, check out this out. You know, I think that would be a lot more fun. And I know that there's, there's, do you have any idea off the top of your head, like how many books a year are published in business? Oh, it's in the, it's, it's up there, right? Thousands. Yeah. So how do you come out of that sea and get enough noise made around being like getting people to get into your like book? Do you guys deal with that part of it, like post launch and promotion? Um, well, how I think of it is, I, I don't think in relative to like how many other books are coming out or how many books are on this topic, we're tuning into our, our what my approach is, is can we be a category leading book and be the best option when people are looking for information on this topic? And if, and if we can get that right, then it's less relevant how many books are coming out and so forth, because our positioning then is, We've done this with like the concussion repair manual and other health and wellness related topics. When someone's looking for that, it's it's the number one and best position choice. Does the phrase uh, the riches are in the niches, is that f familiar in the book world too? Is <laughs> Yeah, it's very important to yeah. like, if I hear someone saying this book's for everybody, like everybody can learn something from this book, then it's also not for anybody. Yeah, it's not because for anyone. Because people right? are... Yeah. Yeah. So one thing I recommend, yeah, it's just looking at the approach angle that somebody is on in their life experience when they find your book. Do they want to start a new business? Do they want to heal from a, a physical condition? Do they want motivation? And then you can start to speak to a, a very distinct person with your writing voice. And that's, a, I think, a key to creating a powerful book is that you're writing and speaking to an individual and, and a fairly well-defined one, or at least maybe to you 10 years ago, that was the approach I took was like, if what if I read this book when I was 20, would I have shaved off years of my learning experience? Yes. So then that's who it was for, the person that wants a blueprint, a realistic roadmap to accomplish something. And and I say that because as, as an author or potential author, we sometimes approach this as, this is the book I want to write. I've had so much experience in this industry. I should write about it. 
but we have to contrast that with what are people hungry for information on? What are people actively buying books on, on related topics and see where we fit within that? So that's, yeah, that's how I, that's how I think about it. <laughs> so like a, uh, like a quantifiable end result too. Cause I think about when you said that, like, oh, I've got so much experience as being a architect. Like I want to write about all the experience I have of architecture, but like, unless I just want to hear your stories from architecture, I don't know. What am I buying the book for? Like, are yeah, you going to so say, okay, as an architecture, for... I've learned to do this. And over 20 years now you can read this book and value from all the things that I've learned to it, right? There, there's a quantifiable end result, a QER. That approach could work if there's name recognition and it's like a retrospective. Yeah. But if it's an architectural book, I'd say, who is it for? Is it for somebody designing a single family home that they're going to live in? Then you can say, design your dream home and, you know, with your own two hands. Yeah. Now you're talking to somebody who has a goal, who has an ambition. And yes, you're leveraging your 20 years of architectural experience to give them the advice. Yeah, that's what I was saying. I, don't, I think a lot of people think they're going to write a book about architecture, but there's no reason to buy the book. Right? That's where people get hung up too. Yeah. It's like, oh, do I need to research history on architecture to put it in my book? No, you should already know substantially <laughs> all of what you want to say. And then you can back it up with some extra points if you want, but you don't, you shouldn't go into like a research mode to learn something to write about in a book necessarily, but that's starting to go down a rabbit hole. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think there's some opportunities for young people that if uh, parents are listening to this and thinking about doing something like this with their kids or whatever, um, that they would, uh, you know, do you, do you need the 20 years in architecture or could you write about what you know about? Like, is it, is a subject matter need to be huge or can it be, like you say, a result driven, like if I know how to build something in Minecraft, like, could I just write towards that kind of goal or whatever? Yeah. I mean, uh, well, if we're talking about nonfiction books or how to books, then yeah. I think the sweet spot is minimum three to five years, hands-on experience, T sweet spot, five to 10 years of hands-on experience. And then you can write from like, a pretty experienced perspective, but it's still current and fresh to a degree. And I think that's the right mix for like credibility and just authoritative experience. Now, if it's for like children's books or for fiction, there's really no criteria. And that you'll often see, you know, new, um, new parents become fi children's fiction authors because they want to write the books that they can read to their kids. And that's a great thing. It doesn't require any experience at all necessarily. So if, yeah, if we're talking about like how to and a book that positions you as an authority, then yeah, you need to have at least some experience to, to pull it off. I don't think you can just, it's a bypass to try and create a book without having some results that mm -hmm. you're referencing, unless you're like a Malcolm Gladwell and just analyzes other people to such a degree that he can present intelligible advice that people want to read even though he didn't necessarily like, or Stephen Covey interviewed so many successful people to distill down. That's an alternative too. Yeah. But it's like the results or the research expertise has got to be there. Uh, Stephen, I can 
almost verbatim recite a lot of Stephen Covey's work. That's one of my favorite authors. So <laughs> that was funny to mention. Start so, with the end in mind, right? That's, that's it. <laughs> it's the lifestyle that, entrepreneur's approach. <laughs> it is. And uh, paradigm, I talk about paradigms a lot. <laughs> you know, the ability to see the world the, the way that you like, you can control that part. You can't control the world, you know? And so and I, uh, sharpen the saw. Wasn't that one of them? Yep. That's uh that's actually number seven. That's the seventh I, habit. I love that because, <laughs> well, just to, to riff on that one, cause it's a popular book, but what I found in book publishing is every book we sharpen the saw. Yeah. Every book, my own saw is sharpened and that's rewarding other than uh, relative to other businesses I've been involved in. Um, to do the same process over and over better and better yeah instead of being spread thin or even in my book I wrote about being involved in two or three things at a time now it's like one wheelhouse and just going deep and narrow <laughs> that's uh I feel that way about my podcast you know <laughs> I tell people it was like you got I was like you gotta start like the trick the trick is you gotta start so that because you gotta get the bad times out like I always laugh like if you've ever listened to like Joe Rogan's first like 200 podcasts, they're just him and his buddies sitting around making fart jokes, you know, like they're and then all of a sudden now he's got a $100 million podcast, but it wasn't he didn't start off as Joe Rogan podcast extraordinaire, you know, interviewing, you know, really super controversial or high publicized people and stuff he started off with his comedy buddies smoking and, and telling jokes on to each other like it's it's just but he, you know, you, you got to keep getting better and better and sharpening that saw. And then that's where the, you know, but you can't well, start you, with a sharp saw, I guess is kind of my point. And that's what yeah, most people want to do. They want to be, they want to be polished. For sure. Uh, it's an important point for, you know, entrepreneurial people listening is however you start the business doesn't have to be how it grows and evolves. No. And, right. and there's so much evidence of that, but um, being open to pivots, changes, new information. I think that's really part of building something that's enduring is being adaptive to what's really going on in the market while bringing your own vision to the table. Well, you know, like we said, we talked at the beginning, you talked about writing a plan to this, to the business. And my, my biggest advice is to go revisit that plan at least quarterly, because it's like reading a book. And then 10 years later, reading a book, like I, I have read several books several times and not read the same book every time. I can promise you that. Like I, cause I see the oh, world differently sure. than I, by the time the, my, my, my paradigm has shifted and my preface of the world and experiences have changed and thought process have changed. And so when I reread a book, I'm like, oh, wow. You know, like I'm totally getting something different out of it. They're the same words in the book, you know? Yeah, <laughs> no, that is, that's well said. <laughs> And so, well, listen, I want to thank you for coming on. I want to, I want to talk to you more about this, but I know we've got to run up against some time. And so, um, Jesse, who, who should come find you and where's the best place to find, find out about what you're doing? Sure. Yeah. It, this has been a great conversation. Um, if you're interested in what we're talking about, we're looking for business owners, entrepreneurs, and doctors are our, our primary authors and uh, lifestyleentrepreneurspress.com. You can find all about our publishing and see a whole bunch of the books that we've published. Cool. I will. Uh, and I'll make sure that we put a, a link in the show notes. So if you're listening to this and you want to find out more about being able to become a published author uh, with Jesse and having basically a guided tour uh, through all the shark tank, that is uh, an overwhelming amount of information if you look into it. So uh, kind of getting, you know, what we kind of talked about earlier, like everybody wants to be polished, 
it takes a lot of time and a lot of work and a lot of frustration and things to get through those pieces. The other fastest way to do it is find someone else who's, who's experience and, uh, and business is taking you from A to Z to get there quicker, faster, and have a better result most of the time. And so thanks for doing what you're doing and putting out good, good, uh, good things out into the world for people to learn from, from successful people. It's, uh, it's always, it's always a good thing when we're sharing knowledge and, and people are getting better at things. So thanks, Jesse. I really appreciate you coming on Money Talkers with me. Awesome. Thanks so much, Cody. Thanks everyone for listening. Thank you for listening to another episode of Money Talkers with me, your host, Cody Laughlin. If you found this episode helpful in your pursuit of financial dominance, it really helps if you make sure to leave a five-star rating and share it with your friends or family members who could use good financial information and entrepreneurial success tips. I invite you to join the Money Talkers community Facebook group. Open Facebook and search for Money Talkers to join today. Follow us on Instagram at the Money Talkers for inspirational mindset posts, encouragement, and investing tips. And remember, the one thing you can do to change your kids' financial future is to start talking about money with them because you are a money talker.